Hey, I'm Alan Hunter. You're listening on the Pantheon Network. 92% of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. 92% because of a bike? Not just bikes. We also make treadmills and rowers. Oh, let me guess, for elite athletes only, right? Nope. It doesn't matter if you're an avid exerciser or new to working out. Peloton can help you achieve your fitness goals. 92% stick with it. So can you. Try Peloton bikes, tread or row, risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only. Not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. With one of the best savings rates in America, banking with Capital One is the easiest decision in the history of decisions. Even easier than choosing Slash to be in your band. Next up for lead guitar. You're in. Cool. <laughs> yep, even easier than that. And with no fees or minimums on checking and savings accounts, is it even a decision? That's banking reimagined. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com slash bank for details. Capital One and a member FDIC. It's another episode of the Imbalance History of Rock and Roll. I'm Ray Coob. I'm Marcus Goldman. And today we help to celebrate the 50th anniversary of a great band, Marcus. And like so many celebrations of 50 or 30 years in the last year, year and a half, this one got delayed by the COVID reality that we've been facing for a while. But they have the CD, DVD, Blu-ray out of their 50th anniversary concert. It's a beautiful package. And I want to get all into talking about it. And here to talk with us about that is the voice of Renaissance, my friend Annie Haslam. I'm here, live in person still. <laughs> I survived. <laughs> well... That's what it was all about when you decided to delay the 50th celebration. Uh, uh, but but the album and the package is done. Uh, tell people how they can get this beautiful box set, Renaissance 50th Anniversary, uh, Ashes Are Burning. It's a concert. It's done locally at the Keswick Theater, one of the yeah. most beautiful theaters in our area. Yeah. And tell people how they can get your uh, wonderful yeah, work. Um, they can actually go to um, our website, renaissancetouring.com, and we have a store there, and you can buy it from the store. And um, I will sign it if you wish. Um, and I think you can and download it as well. I don't know any of how that stuff works, but, I mean, as far as... You know, not buying the, the actual physical, you know, you can download it, whatever you do. Technology has been something that a lot of artists who've been around for more than a few minutes need to catch up on as part, just part of, you know, being a, in a band these days. Um, also, uh, part of the reality is dealing with um, what's been going on with delays and tours and tour dates and sometimes with releases, too because of the COVID, how are you doing? Because we don't live that far away from each other. And uh, I just always wonder how my neighbors are doing. Yeah, I, I thought of you actually um, as well, because, I, you know, when I've spoke to people, away, radio people, whatever, and I, you know, Ray just lives down the road from me. Um, and also, you know, a friend of mine called Bob Miles, who's a jazz guitarist. I think you went to school with him. Wow, yes. Remember that? Yeah. 
Yeah. I was Wait a minute, from the back of the brain, here it comes. Yeah, I was there with a couple of days ago, and I, I, said, I was doing this. He said, oh, I know. But he's got this amazing, really interesting, I want to hit him sometimes, but nearly everything that comes out of his mouth is funny. So you never know whether what how to take it, you know. And I said, I'm doing this interview with, with you, and he said, I know him, I went to school with him. And I thought, yeah, yeah. You know, it's funny, though, and, and you've noticed this, I know, because – uh, British humor is a little more cheeky, a little, a little more dry at times. And sometimes American humor is like in your face and, you know, you know, and a lot more uh, upfront or abrasive. <laughs> yeah. English humor is very rude, actually, to be honest. If you um, get it. it a lot of it. Uh, uh, as you can tell when if ever you speak to Rick Waitman, you know. Or Steve uh, Howe. Believe it or not, Steve Howe once put me in that uh, in that place, too. Oh, did went, you? It was one of those things where it was like I felt like I was being scolded by the smart school teacher, you know, like the professor was putting me in my place. And I look and I went, wait a minute. But no, he, he's funny. He is funny, too. But Wakeman may be the funniest guy in that. Bar. I went out to dinner with him and Ed Sharkey uh, when they uh, uh, Rick was playing at. Oh, gosh, uh, I think it was a chestnut cabaret in, in mm -hmm. Philly. And, and he was playing with his son, Adam. That would have been in the 90s, I would say, because I took my oh. ex-husband. And um, we um, decided, uh, Rick had the time for us to go for an Indian meal with, with us, but Adam didn't, but Rick did. And I thought, this is going to be interesting because my, my ex-Mark was not a prude, but he wasn't rude like me. You know, I wasn't rude. <laughs> I mean, I've got that similar, I can't help it. You know, my dad was an amateur comedian singer and and I, I love to laugh and I like to shock people because they think that, I'm, you know, I'm a, an angel because of my voice and then I'll come out right. with something. And they'll go. What did you just say? <laughs> we had, yeah, we had, uh, we had dinner with Rick, and oh god, it was so funny, nonstop, nonstop. And I, I, I could feel my my ex Mark, you know, sitting there. I mean, he laughed, but it was like a nervous laugh. Like, is, am I really hearing this? You know, really rude, you know. But I loved it, and so did Ed. You know, great, great meal as well, because most English people like Indian food. Well, you've given me a lot to unpack right there. First, you mentioned Mark. Is he the way that you ended up your relationship? Is he the way you ended up moving to the Philadelphia area and then settling in Bucks County? Yeah, that's how I ended up. I, I live with him, um, yeah, in uh, North Wales area. Yeah, not far from here. Yeah, uh, and and uh, he and his family were wonderful. They, they, they got me when I had breast cancer. They were, you know, just a wonderful, wonderful support. And I love them to bits, but it, it didn't work out with Mark and I. But we remained friends. Well, the other part that you, you bring up is Ed Shockey, who some of our listeners do know because we've talked about Ed a few times. He was a disc jockey in Philadelphia. He started at WDAS. Actually, he started at WRTI, the jazz station, when he was in college. I don't know if it was jazz back then, Annie. But uh, and and he worked at WMMR and he was part of when Q102 became a rock station for a number of years. And that is what leads around to our first intersection. The first time I saw Renaissance. Do you remember? Did I tell you where that was? I'm not sure.
Queen's Landing, Philadelphia, hot summer night, free concert sponsored by Q102 with Renaissance. You took over those 50,000 souls for a couple hours there. You guys just totally ruled. Well, we got we got the overflow, didn't we, from the Rolling Stones concert? Yeah, you know what? You might That's what happened. Yeah, it was like we were because we were right by the Mosheloo, the Mosheloo, you know that. Yeah, the the ship. That's there's a restaurant, and um, I remember we, the the police were on horseback, which was I thought was really exciting, you know, <laughs> and. Uh, but the, there was it was so crowded that the tour manager had to carry me through. The, wow. I couldn't walk. He had to carry me because he was a, there was so many people to get through and everything. But, I'll tell you how crowded it was. I was in the crowd about halfway back with my friends, right? And people were trying to get a good look once the show started. And they had porta potties back there, and there were people who were standing on top of the porta potties for a vantage point. All I'm going to say is a couple of them bent, and one of them, the guy went straight through. So I don't even know what happened in there. I don't either. But that was what was going on out there. That's another claim to fame for me. (laughs) Somebody's standing on the toilet to watch me. Lou divers. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. That was so memorable. Through the years, you have held that power and that range but I will never forget the moment when you dug down for that note at the end of Ashes Are Burning and the, the, the disco ball spinning slowly, the whole, oh, man, it was an energy that you get only from one of those great outdoor free concerts. And I wanted to thank you for that here in front of everybody and God. <laughs> it's funny because I guess as you get, I, I didn't think that I'd still be singing now you know I didn't think back then but but looking back and then you know doing interviews and there's interest again because I guess people didn't have a lot to well they stayed at home and they were searching all kinds of things and that's when they they were re-finding all these bands they used to watch and um and then I I've just been listening to some of the stuff like the song of Scheherazade and and it brings me to tears because I think my god did we do that it's brilliant you know (laughs) It, yes, you know, did. And the Carnegie Hall live version is unbelievable. It's like, wow. Marcus, it, she's it, just realizing this. They recorded this. What was that? Was that 76 you recorded Carnegie Hall? And, and she's just realizing how great it is now. Four years before that, we were slugging up and down the motorway, playing at all these different pubs and clubs and things, and playing in Wolverhampton and me changing in the toilets. Uh-huh. And four years later, we're in Carnegie Hall. So, Annie, during the pandemic, you said you revisited some of your older music. What was it like going back with a whole different perspective on it? And did you hear it differently? I did, funnily enough. Absolutely, almost like you're listening listening to it for the first time, actually. I think that when we were going through it, you know, the, the best time, well, I mean, as far as uh, uh, notoriety and uh, was like from 73 when we first came over here till about 79, I would say, something like that. But I was thinking about that the other day because I found some rehearsal tapes from the 70s. There's a, there's some, I, I'd love to do something with them, but there's a few flying words, if you know what I mean, in there and everything. But really, it was never difficult. It was all, always like a natural progression from one album to another. 
We didn't mm. think, oh, we've got to do this for this song. We got. It just was. It, it is it's similar to, to my painting. It just pours out, and that's what it did with the band. It just poured out, and so when I listen to it now. Uh, because I've started putting things on Facebook more and, and saying, do you remember this one? And I just put, can you hear me call your name up there? Do you remember that one? And uh, it had like 954 likes in a couple of days or whatever. And I mm. thought, wow, you know, oh, and, but then I listened to it and then it, and I just get choked up. Come along with me Down into the world of seeing Come and you'll be free Take the time to find When you're going through something like that, and it's so fast, and you're you're touring, and then you're recording, and then it just it, it, it's non-stop. Uh, and maybe because I would say the guys probably thought differently because I didn't write music. I helped with vocal arrangements, so I never got to the side of creating the music. Like Michael was the main songwriter. There's no doubt, Betty Thatcher, but also John Camp and Terry Sullivan and John Tau, of course, were as well. So, but I, I was, you know, I used to, to go to rehearsals and sit and listen and think, wow, you know, with my cup of tea and <laughs> everything flowed into one, like one album into the next and they seemed to get better and we didn't try to do anything different. It, they just evolved naturally, you know. The sad thing is we never, we should have filmed it and we should have filmed the Royal Albert Hall and it wasn't done because mm. that would have been the icing on the cake you know, for, for the memories to see the band back then. I, I, I love the music. I, I never get tired of singing it. I never will until I pop off. That's I won't something pop you off do. In, during the interview, don't worry. <laughs> no, no don't even you dare joke about that. Because <laughs> people know, that's her humor. What about that's that humor. publicity? <laughs> oh, God, the follow-ups would be amazing. Pop off all you Th want. Think of the digital yeah. sales. Yeah. <laughs> And you were the one who announced it. Amy Aslam just died. Grace from the sunlight Poured through his bedroom Waking his mind And his heart to <laughs> oh my! That's like a so Monty much Python for trying to do joke. a straightforward interview with a friend, right? You can't do it. I know. Not with me, no way. <laughs> well, the last time I saw you was at the retirement of another good friend, our mutual friend Debbie Calton. She retired from middays at WMGK here in Philadelphia. 
uh, a while back now, like over a year and a half ago. And I didn't realize once we got into the pandemic mode, it's like time kind of slowed down, you know, everything. Yeah, but it seems like not that long ago, but it's been uh, a year, over a year and a half. I know, so. we're waiting for the vaccinations to come along. And we think we're not good, we're not going to get those for another nine months or a year or whatever. And, and then all of a sudden it seemed to go very quickly, didn't it? Yeah. Mind you, that could have something to do with one's age. I learned so many things about you guys. I, I've been a Renaissance fan since the 70s, including the fact that you guys were on the Mike Douglas show, which was produced here in Philadelphia. Do you remember that? Yes, because he was very nice. And also Twiggy was on the same show, wasn't she? I don't know. I wasn't there. <laughs> wow, that wow, must wow. have been cool. What, you mean you weren't born then? Uh, I was born, but I wasn't watching Mike that day. Okay. Yeah, um, Twiggy was on the show. She was very nice because um, I had a great picture of me and her holding this baby lion or something. It was so it was almost a tiger. I'm not sure, but it was, it was a lion or a tiger. I wanted to talk a little bit about the early days and how you guys, your version of Renaissance, which is the most well-known, came together. I think it was our first interview, Marcus, with Jim McCarty. It was. And we were and we were covering the Yardbirds family tree. And while we were doing that, we realized that Renaissance was a big part of the outcroppings of the family tree of the Yardbirds. And, and obviously, uh, the Ralphs and Jim uh, were part of the original lineup. Yeah, well, of course, Jim was at my audition. What a great guy. And he's come full circle because he's on this uh, our anniversary DVD. Yeah, I, when I joined the band, it was a five-piece band. John Tout was in it, Michael Dunford, a guy called Terry Crow, who was the same guy. He was also a panel beater. That was his job. You know, it, car restoring or whatever. You call it a panel beater. Ah. And I don't know. It sounds awful, doesn't it? He, yeah, he, he beat panels. No, he's a panel beater. And then there was, uh, who was the bass player? I think he was called Neil Corner and Terry Slade on drums. So they asked me to sing Island. Just knew as soon as I walked in, I felt it immediately that I was going to be part of the band, even before I sang, because I could feel it in the air. And I was wearing this long tapestry Bieber coat that was, you know, that's what you wore in those days. And I had a dress to the floor. I had part, my hair parted in the middle and long, you know. And um, I, they just asked me to sing Island and I got it. And I could see the faces, you know, like, oh. <laughs> there is a night. tell me now but they didn't i got a call the next morning you know i got the job that's kind of cool though to to be invited into this thing and then one by one they go off and do other things yeah. and you guys kind of pulled together was it hawken that left and then well, no, came I, in? I don't 
know what happened beforehand, but when I joined it, that was the lineup. Jim and Keith were just involved in overseeing what was going on and maybe adding songs, which, you know, Jim wrote things I don't understand. You know, he's, he's a really good songwriter as well. Mm-hmm. But and, and there was an interim album that was out before I joined with right. a singer called Binky. It, it, it was different. It was nothing like what when we all came together with, you know, um, John Camp, Terry Sullivan, and jo- John and Mickey were still there. It was the five of us. That's that was the nucleus. So that was the, the start of the. You know, it was just our energy together, and it, it created that amazing sound. It did, and yeah. and it and it led to one of the. I would say great runs, if you want to call it that, in the 1970s, it kind of shifted in the, uh, the from its initial focus, kind of different people coming in, and and it became your band, not you personally, but you guys, yeah. you, 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 the yeah, four or five quite, of you. Yeah, there were quite a few people that came in and out, different drummers, and we were with the John Sherry Agency, and they, um, Wishbone Ash, were with them. At that point, I think they just bring Ed Bicknell was our agent. Of course, Ed Bicknell uh, ended up managing Dire Straits. Um, I don't know if you've ever met Ed. Um, uh, Another extremely funny man. Yeah, I always remember really funny people. (laughs) He's a good, he's a good friend. He's still a good friend. But um, so we were with him as an agent agency, uh, a John Sherry agency. He was our agent mainly, Ed to start with. And then Miles Copeland came into the picture. Um, We were still working uh, with different musicians like Terry Slade or whoever it was. There's so many changes. I wish I remember the day when when it was said, actually, but and where it was. But there's, there's so much that's gone on in my life. I can't remember every detail, but he decided that he the band had to change. And uh, so he fired everybody except myself and John Tout. Hmm. And um, and then he we kept Michael Dunford on as songwriter. As John Camp moved, uh, you know, joined and Terry joined um, later on, uh, then they wrote some things as well, you know. But mainly that I would say that the main songwriter was always Michael, uh, but with everybody else added on, you know. Uh, you, you have to give them credit because a lot of people think it was just Mickey and Betty and it wasn't. So that's what happened. Miles Copeland, really. Well, that's what I wanted to ask you about. He is one of the great characters in rock and roll, behind the scenes in rock and roll. What were your impressions of him as manager? And obviously he had his plan and, and he puts it into play. But what were your personal impressions of him? What- I remember I, I went on a, de- a few dates with Ed, Ed actually, uh, for a bit. And um, and then he, he took me to a party at, at Miles's house. Um, in where was it at St John's Wood mm-hmm. and uh, that's when I met Miles anyway he took me to the party uh, and and I stayed and you stayed yeah. I stayed <laughs> I, let, I let Ed go home and I stayed <laughs> how funny I mean um, I did love Miles I mean he, he's a real character oh my god is he a character he's brilliant he's a brilliant man but he, he, he's, you know, he, he's a handful. I'm a handful, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm a nutcase. 
I'm more of a nutcase than he is. Ooh. I've got people that are like Ed's a, a nutcase, you know. Oh, my. Um, and, uh, but, yeah, Miles was, I think he was brilliant, brilliant, brilliant man. Mm. Brilliant. Um, I think he, you know, sometimes, because he's, he's, he sounds very gruff, just the way his personality is, you know, so you think he rubbed, might have rubbed people up the wrong way. Uh, well, secretly. that's what I was thinking, because he had that kind of an edge well, to him. Right. And, you're, and you're, you're more proper. Uh, and so I just wanted to see how that worked together well, you know? it worked because we were opposite you know really it was it was an interesting combination and uh but he's the one who who, who changed it all over i mean if it hadn't been for miles it probably wouldn't happen we don't know you know you never know what the future would have held mm-hmm. but he's the one who got uh, you know who put the new band together and i think that terry came in and i was told afterwards that uh John Tat really liked him even before he played, right? Sometimes you know, right? Mm-hmm. And, and so he, apparently he took him on over one side and he said, look, if you can do this this drum bit here that's really fast, if you can do that, you're going to get the job. And so he really <laughs> he co- he did it and, and really concentrated and got the job. Cool. But he was perfect because his drumming is not over. It's not loud. It, it, it just, it's like, he's like an orchestra drummer, really. You know what I mean? Rather than a rock drummer. I would never, I would never class him as a rock drummer. I think it was always softer and was the best drummer ever we've had, you know, except for Jim, of course. Sorry, Jim. But our guest is Annie Haslam of Renaissance. We're talking about their 50th anniversary box set. It's got a double CD. DVD and Blu-ray, and it comes in a beautiful box set. Like we were talking about earlier, it shows all the different phases of their music. There's only one thing that I, I wish was on here, and you can't put it all on, Annie, and that's uh, one of my favorites, which is Mother Russia. DVD that we did in 2017 also at the Keswick called A Symphonic Journey was the first time that we put our own orchestra together and I had all my paintings in the background, you probably noticed them. And um, we did Mother Russia then. So we felt like, we, you know, we, we, we only had a certain length of time to, to do on this, uh, on, on, on the DVD. We thought, well, we, we really should do Running Hard because that's not on the other one, you know what I mean? So it was very difficult to choose because there's right. so many and they're all long. You know, they take up a lot of space. That's the problem. Coming back to talk more about the 50th anniversary box set and the music of Renaissance next on the Imbalanced History of Rock and Roll. Ah, the taste of Crooked Eye. It's like coming home for the holidays, man. And by the way, it'll be the holidays before you know it, Marcus. Getting into the fall season, and so the brews change and some different things appear on the board. Hey, there's a lot going on, and as always, the best way to find out what's happening at the brewery location in Hapro is on their Facebook. But one thing you know is there's the Blues Jam every Wednesday night hosted by the Crooked Soul Band. And I've been noticing a lot of new names and a lot of new acts appearing recently at Crooked Eye. So go in and see who's playing this weekend. And don't forget, if you're in Delco, Jamie's House of Music is a place where you can get Crooked Eye beers as well. Fresh brews, PA spirits, and wine, as well as all the fun of the music at both Jamie's House of Music and at the brewery location in Hatboro. 
Crooked Eye Brewery, right in the heart of Hatboro, pouring the cure for what ails you since 2014. Is it in unbalance or imbalanced? Imbalanced with an eye. That's although we are, although we are unbalanced. <laughs> yeah, totally. Many can relate. Um, we are back continuing our conversation with Annie Haslam of Renaissance. And there's so much to go over. We're going to go over her music, her albums, and more about the history of the band. And my next question for you, Annie, is John Wetton played bass with the band for like six, seven months before he left in 71, 72, while you were in the process of forming that lineup that really did some great stuff together. Did he leave for King Crimson or did he leave because he didn't fit with the uh, groove of the band like chemistry wise? I think that John actually only did four shows with us. It was it was in one tour I think. We we knew that he wasn't going to stay with us uh, because it, it, it wasn't really his scene but he was brilliant. He fitted in fantastic and he was very good looking and um, (laughs) handsome man indeed. Oh he was a look gorgeous looking man uh, and I always I mean he's a great bass player but I think his voice you know we ended up singing together you know that song uh, Blood Silver Like Moonlight yeah and that's one thing I always and I'm so glad that that happened a stranger came who knew my name glowing with light with us um and then i think he moved on to uriah heat before king crimson and and he also played violin about a lot of people didn't know that unless they know his real you know all the history and then of course he had uk and then asia yes. you know it was the big one with all the hits and yeah. everything. one of the more underappreciated talents of his time in uk when he was in the band, also played oh, really? one of those free oh. pens landing concerts. Yes. Wow. Man, I tell you what, Ed really put on a lot of help put on a lot of free concerts for us back in those days. Yeah. He really did. Well, the station did, sure. I know, but it was yeah, but it was really Ed. <laughs> <laughs> he had the connections, you know. <laughs> you know what? There's nobody on this planet that has a radio voice like Ed. Mylon Curtin from Billy Joel at WIOQ. Is this rolling? Now, we're just getting set up here. All right. Anybody listen to this interview? Ed Shockey is bomb out of his mind. <laughs> I had a little wine. A little wine. So take it all with a grain of salt. Okay. Wait a sec. What are you doing? He goes to turn down the lights. Dim the lights. Oh. Give me a level there on you if I can get it. By order, Samalingas, through September. 
July and August cannot be too hot. And there's a legal limit to the snow here in Camelot. Okay, that's great. On location with Billy Joel talking about the new album. What what was the name of that silly album anyway? Oh, the Nylon Curtain. As we look out upon the... Uh, there aren't even any stars in the sky. It's missing. In Long Island, right. The last studio album was Glass Houses. A little bit of trepidation there at the beginning because it was a little different. Yeah, but that... It wasn't that different to me because I've said... I've told you this before. Yeah. We always wanted to put out something different. Not just for the sake of doing something different, but for our own enjoyment. We don't want to do the same thing twice. And he loved the fans and... You know, I, sometimes if I'm if I go to a concert and I start swaying a certain way, I think, "Oh God, Ed, it's Ed! Stop m- pushing me forward!" You know, and I'm doing like he did because he, he was always, you know, he was always into it. So. Wow. I always know when he's around. He was my constant buddy. You know, yes. we mm-hmm. used to go to concerts when Judy Judy didn't want to go. I I went with both of them sometimes, but it said Judy doesn't want to go. Do you want to come? Like, yes, please. You know, and that's great times. <laughs> you know? yeah. He's one friend who would probably be having the hardest time dealing with COVID and the lack of oh, concerts because he lived at shows. Yeah, it, it would have been difficult for him. Was he there right at the beginning supporting you guys like on on uh, Prologue and, and all the stuff uh, from the beginning of your joining the band? I joined the band 71 and in 72, which is when we recorded Prologue uh, in England, of course, um, Miles was bringing over Wishbone Ash to America. They were doing a tour and he brought me on, on the tour. But, you know, just to, to, you know, his girlfriend. And, uh, but when we got to Philadelphia, uh, um, I think Prologue had just come out and it was the timing was good. And so they got me this interview with Ed Sharkey. It was my first radio interview ever in my life. Wow. Did yeah. not know that. <laughs> yeah. Wow. But I remember he said something, it, it, it upset me a bit, but it doesn't upset me now because I, I, I wore a denim shirt and I thought, I've got to wear a denim shirt because it looks American, you know. <laughs> <laughs> don't know why, but, you know, I was just getting right. used to coming over and everything. And mm-hmm. so what, one of the first things he said, why are you wearing a work shirt? <laughs> <laughs> Hi, welcome to America and 93. Why are you wearing a work shirt? (laughs) (laughs) I cried, I don't know. Oh, Oh, God. But I loved him straight away, you know. We became very friendly, you know, with Judy and and Monica. And it just, uh, it was great. Yeah, then that was the first album. That's my first experience. The first interview was about Prologue. 
and and that album we did um we brought into the band we'd already got john camp we got uh, john town we decided um to put a guitarist in in fact it was when we were looking for a guitarist it, you know it, and we looked for somebody who played electric guitar rather than acoustic so rob hendry came into the band but before that we did find an acoustic guitarist called mick parsons he he was wonderful he was a, a lovely young guy good looking brilliant singer um ev- he had everything he had a lovely personality brilliant guitarist and um he had a, an accident um when he went down to cornwall to see his parents and say goodbye to his friends because he was coming back up to london to uh, with Miles and I, actually, we, we all went down and then we were going to bring him back and he was going to stay with us for a while while we were rehearsing and he, he had a car accident and died. He died. We had to carry on and that's when we brought in another guitarist um, and who was Rob Hendry and basically he was just an electric guitarist and, and he's, on, he's actually on the album Prologue. Um, but This after- is a time, though, when, when, when real life was intruding into rock and roll as a way where a band early in their year, you have to deal with things that you don't expect and you're yeah. younger, young people. Yeah, so your experience that you may have now to deal with these things wasn't there. And, and I, I can hear it. I can hear it in your voice. Oh, awful. Yeah, yeah, it was awful. And um, because he, he was, he looked, he, he, something about him. He was a star. This guy, if somebody had seen him, you know, like some manager, like a great manager or whatever there the mm. were somewhere around at that time, they would have snapped him up straight away because he just had everything, this guy. And it was all taken away. He was only like 20 something. Um, so, so many sad uh, stories in the 60s and yeah. 70s, uh, history of rock and roll about great talented people that end up not making it to their 30s or, yeah. or 40s. Yeah. And then so Rob joined. And um, you're a popular girl today. Do they know you're on the radio? I've unplugged. unplugged. There's something going on because I've unplugged the phone from the wall. Why is it still ringing? (laughs) I don't know. It's ridiculous. I have weird things happen in this house. You wouldn't believe. I mean, I've got a long list, but. Has M. Night Shyamalan ever made a movie there that could explain it? No. Okay. No. (laughs) No, no, there's, there's always. There's, there's always something happening here, but um, I think probably Terry would know. Terry had a better because he was in the band then. Would have had a better memory of it, but for some reason we decided that we we were going to take the the electric guitar out of the mix and bring back Mickey and the acoustic guitar, and that's what softened the sound. That's what that's how that started with the the different sound. It changed it again. So if you listen to Prologue, you'll notice that some of it's heavy, like Raja Khan. And somebody said to me the other day, could you tell me what Raja Khan's about? I said, yeah, it was Danny McCulloch's dog. He was one of the, he was one of the bass players. And, and that's just where it comes from sometimes, things uh, like isn't that. Isn't that weird? And I remember when he was in the band, and this is the weirdest thing, some of the things that we did in that period when we were, we were changing all over, not quite, not floundering, but kind of, we didn't have our feet then, you know, it, it was weird. We were playing, we had shows, you know, we were getting the shows, but they said, let's, let's do a different, uh, let's do uh, Walking the Dog for an encore. I, I sang Walking the Dog. Oh, I wish there was tape of that. 
So do I. And I wish it, I wish, <laughs> I'm just wondering if it was me or somebody else singing it, but I think it was me. Yeah, it was the weirdest time. You know, I, th- I think Raja Khan's a wonderful piece. I love it. And we brought in Francis Monkman, you know, to play the tap. Well, he played uh, keyboards and then we brought in a tabla, an Indian tabla player. I played uh, uh, tablas and maybe a couple of other things. And and the reason I sang like that is because I, we, we toured with the band Audience. Do you remember them? Sure. Oh. The launch album. Used to hear it on MMR. Howard Worth's voice was amazing. And and so when we did, Raja Khan came up, I thought, well, I, I would like to try and do a vocalese here because nobody was coming up with any words. And I thought, I jumped in quick and said, I think I'm just going to, oh, ah, and I tried to sound like him with my my own, mm. God knows why I must have been drinking too much wine. And so I don't know. I go, why did I do that? And it sounded amazing, <laughs> you know, but it worked. I've said, you know, to Raven and to Mickey on several occasions, I wish we could do it. It would really be a big surprise for the audience, but it would be so great live, particularly now we've got our own orchestra. You know, but it's then it takes up, it's like, I think it's 10 minutes long. So that's that, you know, we're not going to do it. Maybe in the next lifetime, you know. Now, Prologue is the album I had to go back to rediscover or find because I really got into you guys on Ashes Are Burning. Every song is ingrained, as I say, in my DNA. It's actually in my brain, Annie. Right. But, uh, I always say it's ingrained in my DNA from multiple listens. My my vinyl copy of that is worn down to the white nubs. You know what I'm saying? You're a nutcase then. Yes. <laughs> I was is. nuts for you. That's for damn vouch. sure. You and your fellas. Your band was, I would say, one of my top five, six bands of that period of time. I was just totally into you guys. Don't look at me funny. Blame Ed. <laughs> yeah. Join the nut- I think I might start a club, the Nutcase Club. I'm in. I do Marcus? have a, fi- I have a file on my desktop for, nut- for Nutcases, people that write to me with the most ridiculous things, and I put them in the Nutcase file. Outstanding. <laughs> I look at it sometimes and I think, oh. Well, I'll tell you what. You guys delivered on the ashes are burning. Every song is just like I can. I, I, I like you know you know what an earworm is, right, Ann? Mm-hmm. An, an earworm where you hear a song even though it's not physically playing in the room. You know, never and heard all these songs like "Can You Understand," "Carpet of the Sun," "Let It right. Go," all are right in there in, in my head, and it's it's probably my my favorite studio album of yours. As much as I love Scheherazade and, and Novella, too, and Song for All Seasons, it's just so fine. 
yeah, it was. There's just some good memories from that. I remember we had, you know, used uh, not a full orchestra, um, I would say, but we brought in musicians, uh, classical musicians. So I was in there with in the control room with John Tout when they were started playing, and I think we both started crying to hear your music with an orchestra. Was it was there's nothing like it, you know. Especially it's a lot for a girl from Bolton, right? Yeah. Right. What's wrong with Bolton? <laughs> Nothing. That's just—it's a mill town. That's where you were born and raised, right? We had, a, we had a cotton mill at the top of the street and a chip shop, and a, a cotton mill at the bottom of the street. <laughs> and another. And chip it, was there one in the middle of the street too? Because you had like they had like a hundred of them there at one point. I know. Talking about the mills of the chip shops, we had millions of everything. <laughs> no, but yeah. I know it was a big mill town. It uh, was. I, I remember when I was really small, and I'd be looking out of the window because we lived like a two up, two down outside toilet, kind of, like a row home, basically. And, that's uh-huh. like <laughs> and I used to look out of the window and climb on the sofa and watch all the women, uh, mainly women, thinking about it, going up, going to work, uh, to the mill, and they'd, and when they come back, they've got all this cotton in their hair. I remember seeing that. Was that frightening as a kid? No, not well, no. Okay, because just, you know, the attack of the cotton-haired women. (laughs) (laughs) During the time you were with uh, Michael, John, Terry, and John, when you were working on the albums, did you work on each album individually or did songs carry over and did you were you always writing songs that sort of ended up in different places and continually working on them or did no. you focus for each album <laughs> okay not at all not that not that i can remember I do remember something like that happening in the 80s um which was of course a whole different era and um, you know not my favorite i have to say um but we do a, a couple extra songs like there was one called africa you might have heard that which is brilliant and that's the only time really later on but no we'd work on an album at a time and um, it, it was, it just, as I said, it's not like we, we said, well, let's make this album uh, an hour and a half or something like that. And that, so we've got three or four songs to do on one side, you know, whatever. Uh, it wasn't planned, like it just came out. It, and, and I'm just thinking that's why I, I liken it to my paintings because it was, it was that's how it felt going back i'm thinking about it you know and i'm glad you asked that question but they it just flowed from one to another and mickey would do a like a basic melody send it down to betty thatcher she'd do it very quickly um, and send it back and it was always brilliant that would be that would we just know when to stop Learn 
did you ever run into a situation where you're in the studio making an album where stuff was not fitting, you know, because it's a jigsaw puzzle anyway. If you have seven or eight or nine songs, you got to make them all fit for the, on this side and that side. Mm-hmm. Did you ever get in a situation where you just couldn't make it work? No. That's the art of making albums that yeah. maybe is lost today because you yeah. had to fit it into that little disc. Yeah, no, I, 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 I don't remember anything like that. It felt like everything was just so easy. Well, I, of course, I didn't play an instrument, but I watched it. <laughs> yeah. No, but you were involved in the process. I was and, there and I was watching yeah. everything, and it just, everything, it was like just a joy That's to it. listen to it. It was amazing. It says I think that, you know, I, I feel like I didn't appreciate it enough then. I didn't take it for granted. I guess I did in a way, because it just all came so easy, like the touring and, and then the recording, and, you know, it's just like this... It, you, you feel like it's never going to end, you know. The first, the first lot of albums were so exciting and so brilliant. Some of those songs are brilliant. I think there's material on every album from prologue forward that stands the test of time, and it just holds up. Try to take it all away, learn her freedom just inside her days, find a soul to find their fears allayed. Try to make her love their own They took her love, they left her there They gave her nothing back That she would want to own Gold and silver rings and stones Dancing slowly off the moon No one else can know She stands alone And she is free. Oh, she drips the moon. The sun has made a thousand nights for you to hold. Oh, she drips where are you? Shadows followed by the stars have turned to. One of the great things about progressive rock in mass is the bands are all different. The textures, the sounds, the feels, the membership, the, 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 the way singing and everything else is approached. Everything's different, but yet somehow there's this large amoeba of bands that have created this feel that you can't always put your finger on, but you know it when you see it or hear it. And you guys became a big part of that with each album through the 70s through live at carnegie hall and then on to novella and beyond song for all seasons these albums helped to create the legacy that is renaissance Mm -hmm. and here we are celebrating 50 years with this amazing box set by the way folks when you get it aside from annie signing it from you you get one of her paintings because the the painting on the cover is one of yours and you are quite the accomplished artist. Is that one of the ways that you've been able to get through the pandemic, painting? Yeah, I mean, it was difficult to paint, to be honest. I did did do some, but I, I, I don't 
paint with a preconceived idea of I'm just going to paint anything, it just pours, it, again, it's like, I don't know where it comes from, but I know that I do, I plug into something, and Betty Thatcher used to say that, she used to sit in a chair, certain chair in her house, and she said, she just plugged in, and she, she said it just came like that. Exactly the same as me, but with, through my art, you know. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't easy because I, I, I did have a rough time. I think the hardest thing for me with the pandemic, um, it was losing all the momentum that we'd started back again, back up again in 2009. And then Michael Dunford passed away in 2012 and I carried on. And then it was great. We did Cruise of the Edge. We did the Moody Blues Cruise. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we went to um, Brazil, went to Japan. Um, we went to Europe. We were, and it was incredible. It was wonderful. It was, and I, it was all on my shoulders. <laughs> um, well, that's that's a hell of a burden yeah, because we're not yeah. spring chickens anymore. No, so, no. what's it like for you being the one that has to shoulder the burden of Renaissance's well, legacy? I do have Ray Tessa, who's, who's the keyboard player that was in my solo band in the '90s, and then when we reformed the band, Rave was brought into Renaissance. And so he's 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 my confidant, and he give his advice. He's very very clever guy, very clever. But the responsibility of everything else is 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 on me, and it's it's hard. And the the guys in the band, they're just incredible musicians and really wonderful people. Because our music is not easy to learn. Um, if we give them, like, Shahrazad was a good one. You know, it's 27 minutes long, and they give them this piece of music that's this long and they've got to look at it, you know, <laughs> and, and, and learn it. Page turners, please. <laughs> they put the heart and soul in it every single tour, every single time when we new songs and things like that was incredible. And, and I, I did start painting again, um, uh, but I, I, I have to tell you that I probably cried every single day, every single day, and, and only recently have I stopped. Well, I'll just say this. You have my number now, and you can call anytime you need somebody to talk to. Maurice and I are always here, and we're always nearby if you just need somebody to go sit and have a cup of coffee with him. Oh, that would be nice. So after we get reconnoitered and connected, and are you planning on, on doing the, the final run now, or are you going to let it be or and just talk to people and do interviews about this wonderful box set? Yeah, well, you know, we, we recorded that in 2019, so... You were on time. By the way, that was the perfect time to record in advance of this kind of a celebration. We did it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was a blessing. Yeah. But I was thinking about, uh, you know, retiring um, at the end of this year. It's it's not that in my voice, I, I still can sing. I still got my five octaves or whatever. But... It's taken a toll on my body, obviously, because of my age. But it's just the responsibility is so heavy as well. But I have to have commitments that I have to fulfill, which is the tour of Brazil that was rescheduled four times. And so it's now coming up in March. We plan to do it. It's the, the shows are there. I, I, I pray it happens. Uh, I and I've, I've got a good feeling about it. It's and it's not all that long off, is it? And then we've got the Night of the Prague in Lorelei, Germany, and we're headlining there. Um, I think Steve Hackett's headlining the Saturday night. We're headlining the Friday night. They wanted us to go there for years. They, there was never enough money to pay for us to go, uh, but they made they they got enough money to pay for us to go just for one show. It's crazy. And so we signed the contract. Wow. So we're going, Good. you know, 
So that's in July. And then um, Patrick Moraz and I were going to be going to Portugal in May um, of, of last year to do, do the, um, the prog rock thing there, mm-hmm. and we, which we did with Renaissance, actually, in 2015, I think. And it was fabulous. In, in an old cinema, um, the, the cinema looks like it was made built in the 50s, and they made it into a venue. And it was a, a very old village uh, called Gouveia, in Portugal, on top of a mountain, this really old village. It was incredible. Wow. And so the guy contacted me in 2019 and said, would you come over with Renaissance? I said, well, we can't come over just for one show, and it's not as easy as you think to get a tour together. you know." Yeah. And so I said, what about if I come over with, the, you know, I, I, I asked Patrick first, of course, it, with Patrick Moraz. And, and that, so we were going to headline there. We were going to do music from Yes and Renaissance, the two of us. Wow. Uh, plus Ooh. all the laughter and what else goes along with working with Patrick. You know? <laughs> awesome. He, he's another nutcase. <laughs> yes, he's in the club. He's in the club. <laughs> he's I met him. Nutcase club. Oh, that, that's a good idea. I met him when Yes did their 50th anniversary thing here in Philadelphia area. Most of the living members were there. And it was kind of neat. And he was in the area playing a date, and I saw him play that show at the Sellersville Theater, uh, not too far from us, up right. here in Bucks County. And uh, what a great night. Yes, definitely a, a charter member of that club, Annie. That oh, club. yeah. Uh, I, I love him to bits. You see, I understand people like nutcases. I, I understand nutcases. <laughs> I think that's why, you know, you just, there's people out there that are different, you know. And, the truths uh, that come out, the truths that come out on a podcast, ladies and gentlemen. A lot of people don't understand because you're it's because you're on a different wavelength because you're a creative person, you know. Some have it more than others, you know, and, it, and sometimes they don't know how to express themselves. Roy Wood was another nutcase, you know. My my ex. I wanted to mention Roy Wood. You guys were together for a time creatively and otherwise, correct? Four years. Four years. A lot of laughter there. He was the uh, founding member of ELO, and uh, he was in the move too, right? Before the ELO, yeah. And then, of course, he did uh, Roy Wood's Wizard. I know that because I was a college DJ in the seventies, Marcus. Do <laughs> <laughs> you know that song he did uh, um, on Mustard? I don't know if you saw. That's a solo album we did. It's called. And I just started going out with him, and it was called "The Rains Came Down," and it's the most beautiful song. It's six minutes long, actually. Roy said, "I want you to sing this really high note." And I sound like an electric kettle on the boil. It's oh so, my! But it's a beautiful song. Yeah, I, I just that just popped into my mind. But in the course, then he produced my album Annie in Wonderland, and that was an amazing experience. Oh my god, amazing! We had an we had the orchestra, you know, Lou Clark and the Royal Philharmonic, you know, and then we had um, a, a, a bra- an English brass band on Going Home. And the, and a choir from of Wales that came up, famous choir. There were 65 of them in the choir. And they didn't want payment. They just wanted beer. So we brought <laughs> <laughs> I were made of music. This is what I be. I'd be a symphony for life. You'd never finish. 
the, the, the studio was full of beer. Oh, God, it was amazing. You can imagine, you know, they came in, hey, 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 you know, they were all jolly. I spilled a little on my robe. Yeah, if you listen to Going Home Now, you'll probably, they probably might have been drinking during it, but the sound, I was like weeping. It was so gorgeous. When they came out, it was like, yeah, hey, because they were drunk, you know. They didn't yeah. have to drive, they all came in a coach. They were loose. when he heard me singing If I Loved You because he was there mixing What? With, yeah he was they was there with Linda and Denny Lane in, in the big studio one when they did all the movies and the giant mm-hmm. it was like an aircraft hangar actually and they were in there using that the big desk in there and, and mixing wings at the speed of sound and I just and we were in studio three and me and Roy Dick Plan and um I just finished my my proper vocal on If I Loved You and, and Roy played balalaikas, nothing, it's just balalaikas and voice. I just finished and I sat down and then Paul walks in and um, he Let's have a listen then. He said, yeah, he said, that was nice. He said, no, <laughs> he, he just said, who was that? And I went, and he said, that just made, it, it gave me shivers down my spine. That's what he said. Wow. Yeah, it was. Yeah, you talk about getting some encouragement from the bigs at the yeah. time. Oh, he said I should put that in my resume. <laughs> <laughs> Dave he Paul right. me the shivers, absolutely. <laughs> oh my dear! Yeah, so it was a, an album full of amazing memories. Just it was just incredible, and and like Nature Boy, like uh, doing the scat singing in there. I'd never done scat singing before. You know, Roy said, I think I want you, to, you know, to show your voice off with that. And then I we did it live a few times with my band, and I thought, oh, God, I hope I'm going to get it right, because do 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 You've got to get the number right, you know, how many do 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 I got it right every time, but it was like just learning things from him, but, you know, as a musician. He's a genius, absolute genius. Wow. You've been around many of them in your career. What's it? I have, yeah. When I look back, I'm thinking they're all nutcases. That's probably <laughs> why you know you attract the people that. Uh, you know. Are you the center cog in the middle of? Are you of, the, the, all the connected to all the nutcases? Maybe, you know, maybe. Yeah, maybe I've got to start vortex. a network. Thank you. I'm going to do that. 
Okay. Well, count us in because we just, you're our favorite kind of nutcase. The creative people of this world. I'm going to do. I'm going to get t shirts made up. I'm a nutcase or I'm in the nutcase club. (laughs) And on the back, it says, How about you? Or, or I bet you are too. You know. <laughs> there you go. She is Annie Haslam. This has nothing to do with Renaissance, but we are just having fun with her here on this episode of the podcast. Thanks for talking about your music and opening up about all the stuff that you've done and been through, especially what you've been dealing with during the pandemic. We've we've all had to survive in our own way. Um, I'm lucky. I'm here with Marisa, and Marcus has the greatest little five-year-old, his son, Luca, and his wife, Kim. And sometimes it's hard to be on uh, on your own. I have a number of friends uh, who've been struggling in the last year or so. Do you remember I said to you the other day about this? My friend Kathy gave me this thing she found. I think somebody gave it to her. It was about the brain um, and um, something about different things you can do to help your brain. And one of them was that whenever you get a, a negative feeling that really overtakes you and you're just either angry with somebody or sick inside and anxious, you know, uh, it said when you start to feel like that, to actually turn that around, you, got, you have to really focus, obviously, sometimes it's hard, mm-hmm. and just come up with five things that you really love and say them out loud. You know, mm-hmm. like, I love Indian curry, you know, or, or mm-hmm. anything. It's the word love. I love mm-hmm. my I love my best friend and I love my cat. Whatever it might be, right. five things that kind of, because you're saying the word love, which is so powerful, mm-hmm. rather than, the you know, all the anger uh, and oh. negative, which is, is a, around us a lot. But Very you much. can, and somebody else just turned me on to, which I've never used before, essential oils. Uh, I, and I, it, as a gift, she gave me this box full all these uh, wonderful oils and different things and a, a cat that you put in the microwave. Not a, not a lot. What? Well, not really a cat, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and it's got... It, <laughs> Does it smell like a cat when it comes out? No. Does no, so it, it smell like a, a, a not, litter box? No, it's got rosemary in it, and I think it's got oats or something like that in it. Oh. And you put it, then it's about this size, and you heat it up, and you put it on any part of your body that's aching. But it's the, it, I, I did that last night, and I felt so good this morning. But the, if you inhale the aroma of rosemary, it's so calming. Mm. But she, this is my friend Elisa. I just met her. She, she bought some paintings from me, and we're, we're, we're you know, we're basically friends now because that's how I make friends, you know. Right. And um, and she, 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 we were talking about different things, and definitely helped me. And I just did this last night really and then i put that cap on the on the pillow by the side of my bed and and so i could i could take in that rosemary they're so yeah. powerful i'm definitely into aromatherapy and- yes really oh. <laughs> we all are yeah, I am. Mm, garlic cupcakes mm. <laughs> <Just> <laughs> garlic cupcakes hey look we're shilling for a cannabis growing sponsor when we were talking about uh, what, what what I'm doing next year is that we are looking into doing some more shows with the orchestra um, towards the end of the year. So that's the plan. It's out there with the agent and the universe. Travel the days of freedom, roads leading everywhere. Come with me now and show.
that's the, sort of the plan is to do some shows with the orchestra again. Um, so ultimately, the COVID pandemic has forced you to delay retirement plans. Well, yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, we have to, yeah. I mean, I, I, I have to do those shows because they've got signed contracts. Personally, I don't think it's going to get any worse. It might be something we're going to have to live with. Yep. you know for a while um, yep you know another thing and just we just got to be careful we got to think of other people and and that's pretty really you've got to be respectful of other Absolutely. people when you're going anywhere that's the thing and 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 that's that seems to be a bit of a problem for some people but mm-hmm. you can't you can't force people to do things but that would be something really to look forward to is to is to perform with them again we have a great time it's like a 16 piece band well you heard it on the album didn't you mm-hmm. yes Fantastic sound. Oh, it's, it's it brilliant, isn't it? I, oh, seriously. This music is, was made for, for, for orchestra. So that's the plan. And then um, beyond that, I, I don't know. I'm going to carry on painting. I'm, I'm doing a lot of people love my pet portraits right now. And I can paint, I paint songs. And I'm, you're getting into GK, is that how you say it? With the, the G-clay. Uh, G-clay. 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 That, well, a G-clay is, is a, a high-quality print of something on canvas. Mm-hmm. Or, or it can I've been be reading print. up on it because of you. Yeah, it, it, but I uh, usually sell, it's usually the originals that I sell, but people can get G-clays of, of ones that I, I don't have anymore, you know. Right. Uh, real quick, before we have to wrap up here, what's your website for your artwork? AnnieHaslam.com. Oh, no, that, no, that's my website. Um, and my, uh, yeah, that AnnieHaslam.com is my website. My Facebook page is Annie Haslam Art. And there's a lot of stuff on there. Renaissance is Renaissance Touring. I am doing a Christmas show at Sellersville this year. I just thought I'd tell you. We'll come and have a a, a, a holiday sip, raise yeah. a glass. Yeah, how's that? That's on December the eighteenth, and it goes on sale I think on the twenty first. But I'm looking forward. We we missed it last year. I've done I think eight or nine there now. You know that audience is full of nutcases. Yes, mm-hmm. always. Start throwing out T-shirts at the intermission. <laughs> That's right. Sell them at the intermission at Christmas. <laughs> Brilliant. We're working out the marketing strategy right now. Yep. Annie Haslam, our guest on the podcast. Thank you so much. I wish I could just put my arms and give you a big old hug. Oh. Uh, and I thank you so much for taking the time for us today here on the. Ambassador. Oh, I enjoyed it very much. Thank yeah. you so much. Yeah. No, thank you. And I hope to see you. Well, you're just around the corner, you know. Yep. So I'd love to meet you in person, Annie, and I hope we can see you soon. And I hope we can see Renaissance at the Keswick or someplace in 2022. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 the plan. Yeah, that would be wonderful. And someone else is calling because it's that kind of day for Annie Haslam, <laughs> our guest on The Imbalance History. Apply a little splash when your windshield's getting dirty. Just apply a little splash when your windshield's full of grime, bugs, dirt, and snow. Just use a little splash and be safe on the road. Splash, splash, splash. Apply a little splash when your windshield's getting dirty. Just apply a little splash. See safely on the road when you apply a little splash. With one of the best savings rates in America, banking with Capital One is the easiest decision in the history of decisions. Even easier than choosing Slash to be in your band. Next up for lead guitar. You're in. 
cool. <laughs> yep, even easier than that. And with no fees or minimums on checking and savings accounts, is it even a decision? That's banking reimagined. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com slash bank for details. Capital One and a member FDIC.